Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Wednesday, the 27th of February. Well, today's show I'm very excited about um, some great interviews, not least with uh, Nigel Kershaw, who is the uh, chairman of Big Issue, which will be well known to anyone in the UK and elsewhere too. Um, And he's also CEO of Big Issue Invest, a new fund uh, for investing in social enterprises. Fascinating talking to him. I also talked to um, Sally... Reynolds, who is CEO of Social Firms UK, and it was Social Firms UK's launch of a quality mark for uh, social firms called Star Social Firms uh, that I attended and where I interviewed uh, Sally, uh, Nigel, and last but by no means least, Jenny Sims, who is an entrepreneur who runs a social firm called Pembrokeshire Frame in Wales. Well worth listening to, very inspiring. I think the whole social enterprise space is going to grow and grow and it fits very much with the mood of entrepreneurship and and, and, and to a certain extent philanthropy um, and and support of of society and change in society. So I think it's a really exciting sector and I think you will find this a really exciting and interesting podcast. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Just before we go into those interviews, let me say a big thank you to all the uh, new listeners who have stumbled upon Small Biz Pod. Uh, Thank you ever so much for tuning in, as it were. And uh, as you know, it's a podcast for startups, small businesses and entrepreneurs, really providing you with uh, inspiration, motivation, advice and pearls of wisdom from real entrepreneurs who've really been there, really done it. Uh, People who know what they're talking about. So uh, that's what we are and what we do. And also, let me say a a massive thank you to Sage for uh, their sponsorship of Small Biz Pod. Sage, that incredibly well-known provider of business management software and services, Uh, 5.4 million customers worldwide, 700,000 small and medium-sized businesses in the UK are their customers. And so whether you are a startup or a growing business, um, they uh, really know how to support you in terms of their products and services uh, to make it easier for your company to manage your your finances or your people, your customers, um, suppliers, and, and hopefully play a part in your future business success. Certainly the, the kind of uh, management information that you can uh, that, that, that Sage's uh, software products can deliver to you are, are absolutely uh, vital. So um, thank you ever so much, Sage, for your ongoing support. Um, and now let's go straight into uh, interviews with, first of all, um, Nigel Kershaw, chairman of Big Issue. Okay, so I'm, I'm here at the, uh, the, the launch of um, Social Firms UK, um, quality mark um, and uh, it's a, a big privilege and I'm very happy to have standing in front of me in the corridor as you'll no doubt here um, Nigel Kershaw who is um, CEO of um, Big Invest I think that's right Big and Issue Invest Big Issue Invest and well now as soon as I say the words Big Issue you are chairman of Big Issue um, the first or one of the first and certainly the best known um, social firm Describe to me, Nigel, what, a, what your view of a social firm is. What should it be doing? I think, first of all, it's, um, when it's, it's a business. Yeah. And I think that is where you start from. It's a business. It shouldn't be afraid of making profit. It shouldn't be afraid of making surpluses. I think it has to do it in, a, in, a, in an ethical way. 
um, and, in, and in a kind of um, in, in a in a way that that doesn't damage the environment and people, and um, it will employ people, um, and it will reinvest its its profits back in the community and back in its own businesses and and back in opportunity. Now, to me, that kind of describes a social enterprise. Now, social firms have a have an element, an addition, potentially additional element in there, or distinguishing element in there, in that they uh, are, as I understand it, employing disadvantaged people. Well, first, first of all, very clear, the big issue doesn't employ any homeless people. Each one of those vendors is running their own business. Okay. They come to us, they buy the magazine for 70p, they sell it for 80p, sorry, for £1.50, they make an 80p profit. Mm-hmm. We don't give them sale or return, we don't give them credit. They are a business. And I think one of the keys that what we do with people is allow, it's a self-help mechanism that allows people to gain control and run their own businesses, run their own lives, provide an alternative to begging or stealing or selling themselves. Mm. And so it's a model where people who normally wouldn't, absolutely would not be able to work. Um, yep. It's a way that they can actually find dignity and work and, and earn a living. Um, and so we're providing an opportunity for people to start. You know, we're talking about enterprise and entrepreneurs. Mm. We've got thousands of entrepreneurs around the country every year selling that big issue magazine, and um, and thousands of people otherwise would wouldn't be working. And so that's the essence of what a social um, um, a social firm is. And I, I, tremendously rewarding. I mean, in, in addition to, 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 as you say, uh, making money, um, it has a much, um, you know, you, a much, much greater reward than that, I imagine, in terms of uh, what you're actually achieving, the benefits you're achieving for society. Now, I know that you began as a, as a printer. Um, how, how, did you, how did you end up in the, as a kind of a leading light in the social enterprise sector from, from there? I always believed in change. Um, yeah. And I was a printer, became a publisher. Um, I was on the executive of my union, um, on the print union, that became a, a, a chairman of a company. Uh, and now I'm running a kind of social investment bank. Yeah. But the, what links it is actually making change. And really, that opportunity was given to me by John Bird and Gordon Roddick, who founded The Big Issue, in the same way that we give opportunities to thousands of homeless people, actually you give opportunities to people like myself um, to, to create change. But actually, before that, I'd set up a number of um, um, printing um, presses and publishing houses, um, really based around political and community action. Yeah. Um, okay. And so the, what, what the link is creating change. Yeah. Uh, and, and using a business model to do that. Now, there's an argument for saying that um, social enterprise is one going to be, uh, in the next uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the primary agent for social change in the UK and potentially elsewhere too, and that the charitable sector is a failing sector, and, and partially because the profit motive isn't within it. What do you feel about that? Actually, I think it's, it's, it's not about charity, it's not about social enterprise, it's actually about prevention. It's actually how do you stop the, the social inequalities and, uh, and how do you create social opportunity? How do you create environmental sustainability? That's the answer, that's the objective. Mm. So in some ways, I don't care. how you do that I just happen to think that social enterprise is a a method of of creating sustainable solutions that provide preventable um, that provide prevention 
And so if you look at some of the models around charity, now charity does some wonderful things, mm. absolutely wonderful. Millions of people are inoculated through, mm. through charity and so on. Millions of people don't starve because of charity. But if you look at, if you look, say, look at philanthropy, and there's a lot of talk about philanthropy now. Yeah. In, the, um, in this country, in the 19th century, you had the great philanthropists based on the excesses in the market of the empire. Mm. In America, it was about robber barons. In the, in the 20th century, it was about dot-com. In the 21st century, it's about private equity. Mm. And I feel that you know, in 20 or 25 years' time, we could be having the same conversation when it's about art, the excesses in the market, about artificial intelligence or mm. bio this. Mm. Mm. And actually, what it's not doing is preventing. It's not creating solutions that create prevention. And actually, that's what I think that social business and social enterprise should be doing and should be looking at. So it's so we just don't go around in a circle. Yeah. Now, obviously, um, big issue invest is, is, is it like a fund? How, how does it work? Um, we've got a whole, we've got, we've got three main arms of big issue invest. We've got a, we're setting up an alternative credit rating index. And by using social data, particularly rent data, mm-hmm. um, we hope to bring about three quarters of a million to 1.9 million people into regulated credit. Those people that are out at the money lenders, the doorstep lenders, the high street retail, retailers, paying an average of 169% APR. Mm. And we're looking at ways of bringing them into regulated credit, and we're getting a lot of support from the banks on this. Um, and so that's one stream of what we're doing. Yep. We then have a loan fund, and we loan to social enterprises and social businesses in a very creative way. And we've lent around about five million out in the last two years, to averaging about two hundred thousand to different. So it's really about scaling up social enterprises, and we are just launching a venture fund, a social enterprise venture fund. And, and we'll be announcing that soon, our first um, cornerstone investment. So you are the, you're kind of like the first social VCs. We are the Goldman Sachs of the social enterprise world. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very, very amazed and uh, impressed. Where, where, where's the money coming from? Um, we're, we've had uh, a, a, some government money to start up. Mm-hmm. We're now using money, we're borrowing money from HBOS. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've now got some private investors coming in. Um, so it's a, it's a big chain. It's a big thing. And, it is. It is. I'd be, I'd be fascinated actually to see to see how that was involved. Have you invested already? I mean, are there are there, are there investments we should be watching out for, as it were? We've done. We've done from the, the great and the good. We've done yeah. um, apron strings. Jamie Oliver's fifteen mm-hmm. rollout. Um, we've done um, Pines Calix, which is the first sustainable. Um, business centre in the UK, Carbon Neutral Business, they won an award for that last year. Blue Water, which is the uh, carbon neutral, the first compostable bottle in the UK. Mm. Um, Thorpeach, which provides employment for people in some of the worst areas in the East Midlands, training them up as gas fitters and gas service engineers. We've got, um, and it goes on, we've invested in school buses, we've invested in a marvellous thing with Ealing Community Transport. We've actually bought with them or lent their money to buy a disused railway station and in, in rural southwest. And with a developer, they're now going to get the branch line going and build houses around, um, around that village. And we will bring the village to life mm. through that kind of investment and through ECT doing that. Do you get the money back? 
Uh, yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be a business. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. So far, and it's really interesting, in the two I shouldn't really say this, um, in the two years we've been going, uh, we haven't had one default payment and one late payment. So, you know, it is... It is about you know looking at how best to invest in, in, in those enterprises, and we've got a really skilled team. Um, we've got uh, uh, Sarah Forster, who was worked with the World Bank, really responsible for getting microfinance up and running in post-conflict countries in Sarajevo, Afghanistan, in Pakistan. Uh, we've got a woman, um, Puchka, who was 10 years at Shawbank, which is the oldest and largest community bank in the States. And she had a $170-odd million portfolio of social enterprises she lent to. And we've been... We're actually changing markets. So we've got a secondments from HSBC and PricewaterhouseCooper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, on the one hand, as it were, you are, you're lending money. But on the other hand, um, if you're actually creating a fund, mm-hmm. which presumably institution, institutions and individuals can invest in, how, do you, how is that fund managed and measured? And how do you know if it's... I mean, obviously, you know if it's been a success. But, I mean, how, 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 how does that work, practically, if it's not a, you know, as a fund? Um, it's, we have to look at, actually, how we invest in different ways. Yeah. And one of the ways within social enterprise, because you don't have traditional exits, mm. IPOs and, and trade sales, we have to look at cash flow returns. Yeah. And so it's really about looking at royalties and profit shares and getting young companies that we're going to grow and getting those returns, um, you know, venture capital returns, but through cash flow rather than exit. Okay. Um, okay. No, 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 no. So I'm it's going to change. It's yeah. Gonna, yeah. It's, we're going to change everything. Nigel Kershaw, their chairman of the Big Issue um, and CEO of Big Issue Investor, and an extremely exciting project, I think. And um, he's just such a great ambassador for social enterprise in the UK. Sort of passion for the subject um, is so apparent through that interview, and, and he's, a, as I say, a great ambassador. Uh, so it's good speaking to Nigel, and excellent too speaking to Sally Reynolds, who is CEO of Social Firms UK, about the. Uh, quality mark that um, uh, social firms launched, uh, Star Social Firms. Um, and I, as you know, I spoke to her at the launch event. Tell us a little bit about Social Firms UK. What's it for? Social Firms UK was set up roughly 10 years ago. And the reason being, we recognised that a lot of disabled people were unable to get jobs in the open labour market, but who were quite able to work and be economically and socially included, um, but within businesses that understood their needs. So we started to look at a model that was already in existence in Italy and Germany, and uh, the social firm movement had already been around for a while in Germany. We were very impressed by that model and brought it back to the UK to see whether we could actually grow it here. And... It involves, as far as I understand it, many people now, I think, understand what social enterprise is, where, which in essence it's just like a, a commercial organisation. It has a commercial, it has a profit motive, but its, its objectives are social um, or environmental. Thank you for that. <laughs> See, definitions. Now, I wanted to talk about definitions. Social firms, on the other hand, um, have one major at least um, differentiator from other social enterprises and that is that they employ underprivileged 
individuals. Would that be correct? Yeah, the stipulation that we, we sort of request is that they set out to employ, so it's a key objective of a company, yeah. they actually set out to employ a minimum of one quarter of the workforce who are deemed socially um, well, severely disadvantaged in some way. So that yeah. might be through disability or other disadvantages like homelessness or drug addiction, for example. So, um, And they need to trade. They need to be in the marketplace. Yeah. They need to generate income. We sit very neatly within the social enterprise sector, which, as you say, is a diverse sector of businesses that trade for a social or environmental purpose. We're actually very lucky to have such a tangible, clear definition for social firms within that. Mm. Um, it is just about creation of employment within the business. Now, um, the uh, STAR, Social STAR Awards, uh, which have been launched today, are kind of like a, um, a mark of quality within, within the social firm sector. The 25% you, you talk about for social firms, that's obviously a hard and fast number for those that uh, meet that mark of quality. But presumably there are, there are lots of social firms out there that have you know, 5, 10, 15% employees who are, who are from disadvantaged backgrounds who, who, who we can define as social firms. Well, we wouldn't define them as social right. firms until they hit the 25%. And it depends what the company is trying to do. If it is specifically setting out to create jobs mm. as a minimum of 25% disabled or disadvantaged people, then we would class those as emerging social firms. So they're on their way to getting there. And it's our job to help them to achieve the 25% and the trading income they need to operate on the marketplace. Um, but there's also a huge number of social enterprises and other businesses, in fact, that employ disabled and disadvantaged advantage people maybe at the five to ten percent mark but mm. would never be classified as social firms because it's not their main objective yeah, yeah. so um, you know we are aware of good employers as well and, and they're not to be underestimated they're very important for the jobs for people who which, have. yeah which brings us on to the to uh, as it were um, one of the interesting and very valuable points of a social firm um, there's an argument for saying that you know the charity sector and, and organizations that been in the news in particular like Remploy, are failing certain sectors of society and that uh, entrepreneurship uh, in the form of social firms or social enterprises can actually uh, fill that void, correct that failing situation. Do you see charities as failing uh, the needy? Not charities necessarily. I, th I think it's very difficult for charities to think entrepreneurially and put it into practice. So, um, but I agree with you that there's some outdated models out there which have become very expensive that mm. are not meeting the needs. Um, and, and really it's employment through enterprise. And if you forget about the enterprise, then you just won't have the employment. Or, as in Remploy's case, it's ended up costing the government to pay for that employment. So um, the enterprise is absolutely crucial. And the star social firm quality mark, as you say, um, is really that mark of distinction that gives those businesses um, the recognition that they deserve for having excellent business and employment practices for some of the people most disadvantaged in the labour market. Mm -hmm. What about you, Sally? How on earth do you end up as Chief Executive of Social Firms UK? I mean, where, what's your journey? What's your interest? 
Well, it's a long story and I'll keep it short for you. I um, majored in languages at university. I then went into the private sector and worked in public relations and marketing for six years. Um, and I got made redundant by Duracell Special Batteries, which was going through a management buyout, and was given a month to think about what I really wanted to do. I took a job using my marketing skills, promoting the services of people with mental health problems and learning disabilities in Surrey, mm -hmm. and loved it so much, um, recognising actually that they're all in sheltered work, 300 people every day turning up to pack forks and unravel headphones for airlines and that kind of thing, uh, for £15 a week on therapeutic pay. Um, and actually, most of the people in there were saying to me that they wanted a job, but they couldn't get a job in the open labour market. So we looked at the, the general provision across the country and realised that there was a huge gap between mm. sheltered work for mm. disabled people and the leap to the open employment market, mm. which a lot of people just can't handle that leap, mm. um, but are perfectly capable of earning a wage and being included socially and economically in a business. But it has to be a business that understands their needs and can support those needs. Um. Which brings me on to the, the, the kind of reward for the entrepreneur now. I mean, this is like you get rewarded financially and in heaven. So it's a good, it's a good combination. But assuming well, whichever heaven it is you believe there is. Now, um, but um, seriously, uh, a social firm, it's a huge challenge, isn't it? I mean, don't, don't you need a, you don't need, I mean, it's hard enough being an entrepreneur and running an, a business that makes money, but then you're asking, you're asking individuals to uh, create a, a, a social support network for their employees that no other business has to face. There can't be very many people who can do this, are there? But isn't that exciting? Oh, I agree. It's very exciting, but I, 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 I don't know that I could do it. How many, I mean, it's a vast challenge. Who, what's... Presumably you, you bring in the skills of people from a, a variety of different sectors to, to, to create a management team that can deal with this. How, what's your experience of, of successful social firms that have achieved, achieved what they set out to do? Okay, well, I mean, it is a changing sector. It's an evolving sector. And, and a lot of the um, issues that we've had around cultural um, awareness of business and being able to start a business. And, it, and it's true to say that the organisations that have wanted to start social firms have been wanting to do it for the social reason rather than because of their entrepreneurial flair or, or knowledge of business. Um, so we've, we've been at a disadvantage to try and grow the sector so far. However, my um, optimism remains because actually in this climate there are many entrepreneurs who'd see this as the challenge that they need to actually do something very, very different and my challenge to any entrepreneur out there who's been successful is come and work with us come and start mm. one mm. and actually see how you get on because mm. it can be done we're proving that it can be done mm. except we need more business people doing it and I'd like to work with the private sector as well to engage them into starting social firms as part of their CSR policy mm. and using us to help them float away from the private companies so that they can be real social firms operating economically in the marketplace Excellent. and they can take the kudos for that. Two questions about the, the horrible word funding. How, are you, how is Social Firms funded, UK funded? Social Firms UK has um, got a mixture of funding. It earns some income. Uh, wherever I can, I earn money for the organisation through consultancy. We have a number of charitable trusts who believe devoutly in what we're trying to do and have been very, very supportive of us for a number of years. 
and we operate projects. So where there are projects that we can apply for that will help us in our mission of growing the sector, we will apply for those. What we um, have not had over the last 10 years is any statutory funding at all mm -hmm. until July 2007 when the Office of the Third Sector yeah. finally gave us some money to actually promote the products and services of our members. Um, I'd like more money like that, quite honestly, from organisations like DWP, mm -hmm. whose mission we are fulfilling. Mm. And then social firms themselves, do they receive funding? They need funding at startup, and that's another reason why I'm trying to talk to government departments, because if we can centralise the startup finance, then we can make the, the growth of the sector a lot smarter. Um, so at the moment they are fishing around, they're getting their funding from various different places. It could be up to three or four different places to get one social firm off the ground. Mm. Um, but the idea is that the trade and the business plan actually mean that they don't need so much grant funding or yeah. subsidies over time. Yeah. So it's in the early years mainly that they need pump priming. Like any startup. Like any startup, except because they're not for profit company structures, it's not as easy for them to go to the bank and get a loan. Um, and you know, when you say they're not for profit company structures, is that I thought they were profit, they were for profit. Uh, what what structure? Than, they're for more than profit. Well, no, I agree, but I mean, they are, they are out to make a profit, aren't they? Absolutely out to make a profit, but they reinvest that profit yeah. back into yeah, the yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at the bottom line yes. and profit, no, yeah, it's not no as evident as a private business that, how they're doing. Yeah. No, no, that's just, uh, just clarity for me and for listeners. Uh, Sally, thanks very much for your time. That's a pleasure. It's nice to meet you. Uh, well, good stuff. Thank you, Sally, for that. And uh, it was uh, a little bit noisy in the background in that corridor uh, at their launch, but I hope that didn't distract too much from uh, what was a, an interesting conversation. Um, I then went on to interview Jenny Sims, who's CEO of Pembrokeshire Frame, a, a real entrepreneur really working in the space. Um, interesting to hear what Jenny says about some of the practicalities and challenges facing a social firm today. Tell us, Jenny, what Pe Pembrokeshire Frame does. Uh, what it does is it provides um, practice for work and training uh, to people with and recovering from mental ill health, people with learning disabilities, people with physical disability and sight impairment. Um, so we're what you describe as pan-disability. Okay. And you are one of the... Um Stars, a social firm who won one recognition and have achieved this this quality mark from Social Firms UK. How challenging is it to meet that quality mark? Um, we probably found it less challenging than some of the others because we've been around for fourteen years, um, and because I set the organisation up in the first place, it's been a case of a bit like building a house. You start with the foundations and you build those fairly solid and, and then just keep building them up. Um, we also already held investors in people, Green Dragon, Disability Quality Ticks, yeah. and all the other usual um, and, uh, awards. And we also already do social accounting. And social accounts sit alongside our financial accounts um, and are part of our our annual report each year. Explain to us what social accounting is. That sounds... I mean, in, I, it's probably a massive topic, but, I mean, in brief. <laughs> um, social accounting um, is exactly the same type of exercise as the financial accounting, but you look at what you do as an organisation, how you do it, 
what your main aims and objectives are in, 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 within the organisation for outcomes, and you document it. You, you document how you communicate with your stakeholders, with your suppliers, um, with your client groups, if you're working with clients as we are, uh, uh, and you do questionnaires and seek out information. And it's not about just saying what, what a clever organisation we are. It's actually a, a, an exercise in looking at ourselves to see how we do things. Um, and when you present a set of social accounts, it's warts and all. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's a, it, like like ordinary accounts and, and cash flow. It's a useful management tool. Absolutely, it's a useful yeah. management tool. And with any organisation, you don't want to stay stationary. You mm. want to be constantly moving forward. Mm. And that's one of the tools we use to review our processes and our practices to ensure that we are delivering exactly the services that we say we're delivering and that our clients are happy with the services we're delivering. What sort of secrets for success, just in terms of getting it all, getting the business and that um, social objective working together? Have you got any tips for for, for potential social firms and and future social firms? Um, You've got to have a business objective. Um, What we actually do with the organisation is we we have... um, a community furniture store uh, we actually run a recycling business mm-hmm. um, to provide the, the opportunities and we also have a horticultural pro- project which also provides opportunities we see a huge range of different capabilities and the thing for, for me uh, uh, in having established frame and grown it for 14 years is that you don't look at the disability mm. Um, people, particularly people with mental ill health are very often traumatised by the experience of being ill mm. um, that's not to say that they haven't got any skills the knack as far as I'm concerned in employing individuals who have and sometimes are still ill is about see- seeing the ability not the disability because the ability is there and yeah. it's phenomenal what you can you can actually nurture back into those individuals with a little bit of um, encouragement self-esteem building that um, and you have the most dedicated committed staff mm. um, when you've given them that support and, and you've brought them forward um, so actually you you gain a really strong staff base mm. that is totally committed to the organisation mm. mm. and totally committed to bringing other people through the route that they've been. Oh, that's very, very interesting. That, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, entrepreneurs are, uh, or successful entrepreneurs are sort of innate optimists, so you're seeing the good in all people. Yes. Yeah. You, you need to see the good in people. Obviously you get let down on occasions, but the majority of individuals simply want the opportunity yeah. to get back to where they were. And if you offer them that opportunity, they give you more than 100%. It's more like 150 or 200%. Mm, mm. And, and it's so important to see them as individuals and not to be looking at the disability, but simply looking at how you can get round the disability to draw out the best in them. Yeah. Which is no different to any other employee, you know, ultimately, isn't it? One of the things about uh, the social firm's quality mark was... At one point, when, when they were piloting, mm. they were saying, you know, well, how do you treat your, your disabled staff? Mm. Well, actually, we treat all our staff exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there is no difference between them. They all give as much as they possibly can to the organisation. And, and the, the, 
able staff, if you like, rather than the disabled staff, get treated exactly the same way as the, mm. the others. One quick practical question. Do you need specialists on the board or in the management structure? It's very important. Our board is diverse. Um, we have um, business people. Uh, we have people from the caring background. Uh, we have uh, a member who sits on our board from the local authority. Um, not a full board member, but actually an advisor. Mm. Um, our links with our local authority are really good and it's very important if you can listen to what they need mm. and then deliver what they want you to deliver because they have targets they've got to meet and if you don't listen to their needs they can't yeah, feed back to you. Yeah. Um, we won just recently um, the tender f uh, with Pembrokeshire County Council um, for collecting all the bulky household collections in Pembrokeshire. We won that in, at the end of the summer. Um, and that was because we listened to them, they listened to us, and, we knew, and they knew us well enough mm. to know that when we said we'd do something, we'd deliver it properly. Because mm. it's all about being professional. Mm. Mm. And the quality mark and all the other um, like investors and all the other things that we, we, we've got are really about proving that we are professional. Yeah. We're as professional, if not more professional, than the county council. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a genuinely inspiring uh, words and advice, so thanks very much for your time, Jenny. Jenny Sims of Pembrokeshire Frame. So I hope that really gives you a flavour of the social enterprise scene and, and specifically of the work that social firms are doing in the UK. Fascinating area, kind of gets me itching to want to explore entrepreneurial social firm options. But there we are. Uh, so I hope that's given you all um, a few uh, potential ideas, or at least one or two of you, some, some inspiration uh, to, uh, to look into the subject further. Okay, thanks to uh, all those who've commented recently, particularly on the blog. You can leave a comment on the blog after any uh, episode of Small Biz Pod uh, by clicking on www.smallbizpod.co.uk and uh, scroll down to detail or click on details and then uh, you can comment on a particular episode. Thanks in particular to uh, Ed Stivala, Peter Boydell and uh, Oladeli Ayuba. Uh, for uh, comments on the Levi Roots episode, which was Small Biz Pod number 61. Uh, Ed, uh, you'll have to indulge me forever, or forever as long as I'm doing this podcast anyway. Uh, I will not be dropping the uh, quirky electronica track at the end, uh, but as I know, a good 30% of you never listen to it, so it shouldn't worry you, and the rest, I'm sure, enjoy it occasionally. So there we are. Uh, you'll have to just indulge me on that. Uh, and thanks to to a couple of people who've added their uh, pictures to the Frapper map and to the ever-growing uh, Small Biz Pod Facebook group. Uh, you can uh, join the Facebook group, um, network with some other listeners, um, and thank you for doing that. Um, if you have any comments or feedback or uh, suggestions for uh, other episodes of Small Biz Pod that you would like to see uh, produced in terms of potential guests or interviewees or topics covered then do drop me a line at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk or join the facebook group and there's a link in the uh, on the home page of the site smallbizpod.co.uk uh, to through to that facebook group so look forward to seeing you there look forward to seeing your face and location on the frapper map if you fancy doing that and thanks very much 
as always, for listening. Now to the said quirky electronica track uh, that I tend to play at the end of the podcast. Uh, this one is from the excellent monotonic label. It's by um, a an artist called Jet Jaguar, and the track is Red. <laughs> Thank you.